Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of The Left Page. Yes, we're here today, once again, once again a bit late. Yeah, yeah <laughs> as, as usual. Yeah, yeah. But it's fine, we're, we're yeah. here. So, before we get going with our special text today, which is a, a very, very good one. Well, to be fair, I guess we would need to pick something bad eventually, but we'll, yeah. we'll push that forward. <laughs> before that... Just some administrative matters. First of all, we'd like to once again thank Brett from RevLeft Radio, yeah. the Federation member leader, who basically, well, has put a Patreon pledge that covers our hosting costs. Yeah. So thank you again, <laughs> Brett. It means the world to us. Yeah, it means the world. And especially in the last episode for the, the Patreon people, we said that our ob- objective here is to talk about literature, talk about those things. And for me personally, we already achieved a good objective when we can just unite ourselves here and talk about literature and do this now without any cost for us. Because of of Brett, because of the patrons who pay us, it's really gratifying because I feel that People are making justice, are giving the attention needed to literature, and we are giving it as well, so it's really gratifying for me. I completely agree. Yeah. It gives us a renewed pleasure and motivation to exactly. carry on. Exactly. Though, to be fair, we would have anyway. I've been loving doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Another thing is that we have a new iTunes review, so please leave more of them. This is from uh, our friends from the Macabre Media Podcast, whom we are also working towards collaborating soon enough. Yeah. So, here we go. It's a five-star review. Dope Left Lit Analysis. The Left Page is a great leftist podcast that focuses on literature. I don't care for reading much anymore, (laughs) and I haven't read most of what they have reviewed, but it's still a great pleasure to listen to these two great friends talk about books. So much so that I listen to the first five episodes in a day. This is an amazing <laughs> show with great hosts. So yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Well, all that said and done, let's get to our episode per se. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about a short story from James Joyce, The Dead, that features in his, I believe it was his first book, right? Yeah. Uh, the Dubliners, yeah. published in 1914. After, as Bruno mentioned it to me a few moments ago, after being rejected by 22 publishers. <laughs> so that's yeah. a pretty big one. I would also like to mention, and this one might come up later, but our outro song this week will be a special one that we have selected previously. It will be a song that is actually featured in the short story called The Last of Algrim. And it, the specific version I found is performed by two academics, John Feely and Fran O'Rourke who actually performed it with Joyce's restored guitar yeah, that's in insane. 2012. So, <laughs> and it, it sounds pretty great. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy that too later on. Yeah. Now, Bruno, take us away. <laughs> so we will do this episode in the Joyce manner of the stream of consciousness. <laughs> because, man, oh man, we have... Uh, with Joyce, the, it's it's always so personal, isn't it? It's it is always I, I can't even express myself because it's always so personal in a psychological way and I think even in a unconscious way because it appeals to such things as your family and the notions like it's really cliche but and even in Brazil we don't have like <laughs> snow and things but like. <laughs> Christmas and the family and it appeals to uh, a kind of memory which, which it isn't of your adulthood it's about your childhood yeah. and that is really massive and really intense because you are basically reading a perfect description of a thing that you just remember as a shadow of the past. Like, for me, I can remember the feelings that I had when I was a child, but I can't remember exactly what happened. Yeah. Because it's really distant. And I have some certain glimpses of special moments, like like me and Frank and our other friend Enzo, we met for the first time. We had, like, 
we were four years old, I believe, <laughs> something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, and we were we were playing with Hot Wheels. <laughs> yeah, but apart from that kind of thing, it's a really ghostified. It's a a shadow of what you felt and what you remember. And when you have someone as Joyce, you presentify you. You put those memories and those feelings that you had in a text and you're reading it and it feels so much about you, but it's just another person writing. It's it's really incredible. Yeah. And this intimacy yeah. that we feel, because like to make a brief summary of the story and what actually what happens in a in this sort of way, basically you have this, we follow a lot of characters in the first part. Yeah of the short story because there's two different parts the first one there's this sort of dinner date like i'm not sure it's christmas but it's it, it might be i don't recall yeah. exactly but it's this it's this dinner date with this family and, and their friends. friends yeah it's a very intimate moment it's a sort of formal party yeah but there's in all that there's a lot of intimacy there are good moments there, there's the drunk uncle yeah <laughs> inconvenient friend all all that sort of stuff but it's a very intimate a very well pictured scene yeah and after that you follow this particular couple gabriel and greta as they head back to the hotel where they're staying because they went to the dinner date and they returned at pretty much early morning I yeah think. and you basically they return via carriage get into the hotel speak a bit and then fall asleep that that is what <laughs> what action is there to the story. Yeah. However, the the reflections, the conversations, and that's why I'm not reading them yet. That's what we're gonna get a lot more into. What it, it, it it's really interesting because the story is not as much as the action as the dialogue, the yeah. conversations, the reflections, and the psychology involved. Exactly. So in that sense, it's very it's great storytelling. Yeah. Because <laughs> like it really shows. You don't need the most action or even the most description in a story. Like, it, it's very attentive at certain points at picturing the scene and what is going on. But that isn't, well, you, that isn't the focus. That is essential to the story. Yeah. But the focus is elsewhere. It's in the internal aspects and on these brief moments of humanity, of conversation. And that... I think that's one of the best things about the short story and yeah. about Joyce in general. So, I think that the first conversation that we can try to understand is the beginning one when when Gabriel arrives. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't even remember correctly who who he speaks with. The I do not recall her name, it, but it's she's the, like it's the, the maid. Of, yeah, the, she's like a, a nephew of sorts that's yeah. working as a maid. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry for not too professional. We're busy people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not as if we don't care. But yeah, it's a very strange conversation because it's like you're not following him at first; you're following her. Yeah. It's like he's he's a bit of a douche. Yeah. But I, I don't. It, it's strange because there's this sort of distance. Gabriel being this sort of well-mannered man. This yeah, and he's. He has a sense of intellectuality. Exactly. In the whole sense, like, he, he he's not just a, a person who likes to read. I don't know. He he lives the intellectualism. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Later on, he has, for example, the, the dinner speech. And we I'm not sure if Bruno wants to go over that more or not. But just to be mentioned, he he's thinking about what he's going to say, how he's going to say it. That's something that plagues him for pretty much the entire evening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult to talk about a short story like this because, first of all, it's it's really long. <laughs> it's yeah. it's almost like a novel. What it, was it? It's like twenty thousand words long, almost. Yeah, it's a yeah. very long short yeah, story. It's a long short story, and when you have such a long short story and such a big psychological aspect to it, I think it resembles almost as exactly like a story that is is told like ah two friends see themselves again. And one was in a trip, he was in other country, I don't know. 
And those kinds of stories, they are always so psychological because, mm-hmm. and they are so long and detailed because, yeah. oh, when I arrived the first day and it was cold as hell and I was feeling really lonesome. I don't know if, if you are talking about if your friend was in an exchange for studying, I don't know, master's degree. And it's always those kinds of stories with friends is, are always so psychological yeah. and so directed by the physical and climatical aspects of it like oh my god it was so cold or oh my god it was so hot and i'm saying all this because this resembles really much to the kind of story that joyce always writes because it's so personal that most of the times the the episodes and the little things that happen during the short story they are just directing you in a in your feelings like mm-hmm. it's not the what i want to say is the actions matter mm-hmm. but they don't matter as an effect of the short story yeah that that seems to make a lot of sense they they, they are like triggers mm-hmm. the little episodes like um gabriel seeing his wife through the door i believe or a little space between two curtains i don't know Mm -hmm. those are little episodes that they you have to read them but as you said the actions are not the center of action like the the framing yeah exactly they are just directing you to a direction that you don't even don't even expect (laughs) yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah because like for example i'm looking at my notes here and what I've got written down, it's interesting because it's very, it's very minute episodes, if you will. There's one with uh, the one with Miss Ivers, and it's very peculiar conversation because it hits on certain interesting elements of Joyce and the just ah yeah yeah sort of the essence of what he's getting at in various works <laughs> yeah and the the love and hate for dublin (laughs) exactly yeah once the title dublin years worth mentioning again yeah and the the entire second part i've written most of it but the first one while it was i guess with all the guests and the in a sense and i guess it's not wholly unexpected the confusion between all of them and the, the various transitions through the scenes the conversations the passing moments there's a sort of, it's almost ephemeris, the first part, because a little of that actually, like, sticks with the characters. It's very much something said in passing, something that fades away. If yeah, you know. yeah. And what happens in the second part is a lot more of the sticking point. And th- those are much more lonelier moments. The first one is this, is the crowd and... Interacting with people, the music, people singing, the dancing. And yet it's all... The waltz, I believe, as well. Exactly. And it's all sort of... It it doesn't stick. It doesn't leave a lasting impression or memory. What does is the second part. Yeah. And it's interesting to think of both of them in that regard. Because, like, you have the first scene where you have the dinner party... The lots of guests, people talking and chatting and dancing and singing and all that. And then you have the second scene, which is heading back home by a carriage, few people, it's all a lot quieter, yeah. a lot more subtle. And you have this moment where they're going back to the hotel and they're undressing and just laying in bed and talking. I, I even made a shift of tones to really illustrate that because... One is intense, it's vibrant. The other one is slower, gentler, yeah. and it, it and leaves a much more lasting memory. And it's where things like it, it makes sense because it's the second part, but it's where things come together really. Yeah. Both what yeah. happens at first and the references between the second and the first. It's like uh, Gabriel makes reference to someone who beat him back, that owed him, whatnot. And it's like, it's something so brief and said in passing that you're like, yeah, no, this doesn't matter. <laughs> what yeah. matters is what follows and the, the next conversation. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I think I was talking about this kind of psychological path yesterday because mm-hmm. I was talking about how, I don't know, 10 years ago, when when, when the iPhone was, was debuted? I do not 
cool, but it was yeah. But like for us, I'm 20 years old. Frank is, I believe, 20 as well. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's really strange because a big part of our when we were teenagers, we didn't have phones. Yeah. So the moment you encounter a friend, it was always a, a moment of joy because you didn't see him for a while i don't know like in vacations i don't know but when you re-encounter a friend it was always a moment of joy mm -hmm. and when you had to leave you made a moment of psychological reasoning when you mm -hmm. were away from that friend because unconsciously when you're like seeing best friend like it's always it always has an unconscious reasoning about oh this guy i see a lot this guy he he really he's a a person that i can rely on mm -hmm. he's a, a a good person should always keep him close as a friend and all of those those sentiments and i believe that now more than ever we don't have this time for psychological reasoning because mm -hmm. we are always talking with each other but it's the same thing as joyce like the action of talking doesn't matter if you don't think about it after. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's better to feel, as we say in Brazil and Portugal, it's an expression, it's saudade, which is, it's the sense of... You miss someone. Yeah, you the, miss someone. Miss someone or uh, something or some time. Yeah, but it's it's a little bit more complex yeah uh, it's a the, bit more nuanced so it's yeah. a fun little concept yeah but that's the in a very superficial sense is the idea of missing someone. missing someone it's a very yeah. strong like it's something concrete it's a noun it's yeah. not a yeah. not an action yeah and it's a noun it's something you have yeah exactly yeah <laughs> well put well put and i believe that feeling saudade is good it's it's healthy as well mm -hmm. and Joyce does exactly this. He he puts our center, our our character. First, he's not the lead role. He's just yeah. someone in the story. And we are at a, a celebration, and there's all, all this. As you said, it's it's a change of tone, which mm -hmm. is the same thing as a change of tone as we used to do in friendships. In because I I remember. Exactly how it felt when I did Christmas dinner at my house and people left. Mm -hmm. And it was a sense of like, it, it felt like my my heart was torn from my, my chest because you were having fun and I was with my friends and with my cousins. And then it's all over and you you have to resolute yourself and be alone for a bit and you think about all that happened and that's really man that's so dense it's mm -hmm. such a dense experience when you have this moment of it's almost a meditation and and i believe that joyce does exactly this in yeah. this short story it's very interesting like to give a, a recent example of you and this episode is getting pretty personal yeah. i guess because it's a very personal short story yeah and i guess the whole podcast we've been having personal conversations and mm -hmm. that's fun mm -hmm. so talking about the christmas dinner i make a point every year to pretty much gather my friends bruno included <laughs> those who live very near or near enough so like have a, a nice dinner, a nice fun. I the and like it's my birthday, sure, but it's an excuse. I don't give a damn about like oh I'm getting older. Yeah, that's that's not great, but it happens. But it doesn't, it's not <laughs> about that. It's about getting them all together. Yeah, and it's generally one of the best moments of the year because like I pretty much have almost all the people whom I love dearly yeah. in the same room having fun. Yeah, and I I have a lot of fun, and if I believe my friends, they say they have a lot of fun, <laughs> but. It's it's yeah, a great time, yeah. And and when they leave, it's like it's almost a sort of desolation. It's so crushing, yeah. Because it's like <laughs> it's over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really sad, but it's great, and it, it really makes us think. Because like, well, yeah, it's crushing, but it's so good. It's a moment that it really makes it worth doing again and again and going back to. Yeah, like 
it's the sort of moments, and I think about moments in, a, in an interesting way, and it might be somewhat bizarre to think about some of the things that are told from the short story. I really like the Nietzschean idea of the eternal recurrence, which is basically, it's from aphorism 341 of gay science. It's imprinted in my brain, thanks to my philosophy professor from many, many years ago. <laughs> but basically, it's the idea that if you would live your life again and again at eternum, and everything happened exactly the same, the good <laughs> and the bad, would you have a singular moment that is so spectacular, so beautiful, a moonlight that would make all cobwebs worth it? Like this, these moments that really do make living all the pain, all the suffering in your life all, all over again. And that that's a, be yeah, that, that's a beautiful really... way to think about how making your moments worth it yeah. making them be valuable to you and to the people around you yeah and it's something that i sort of i i don't judge them as way but it, it it's something that i used to think about them like okay how this was a great moment or even this this is something that makes it all worth it yeah and it's very interesting because this is a story about loneliness a story about pain about loss about death and I did not expect we'd be this cheery yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah. it's really... It's the sort of thing that with the inevitability of death, making moments that truly last with you, these moments that... Like Gabriel recollecting the moments he met Greta and his first encounter, the sort of thing that stays with you. And in that sense, the, 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 the short story stays with us. Yeah. It's... It's something about through all pain, through all suffering, through all through all that is meaningless, through all that is fake, through all that is passing, leaving important marks. And yeah, I think it's something that the short story really reminded me of. Yeah, I think the most important thing to understand in this in this short story is the it's understanding. Gibro's problems, mm -hmm. in a sense, because you see in both of the parts that Gabriel is always tormented by his ideals, his intellectualist ideals of love and of romanticism and of mm -hmm. highness. Like he's a bit of a Parnasian, if you will, <laughs> because it's like Frank said, these Nietzschean ideas. But the Parnasians, they basically try to do this in every moment of their lives, like, the regard of seeing your wife, it's really, really Parnasian, if you if you think about it. And, and we, we will be even talking about Walt Whitman later on, and <laughs> later today. And it makes me think that it is a story only about Gabriel. Because you see that he's tormented by a feeling that he was bested. But he yeah. was bested in in a way that you, you can't like you can't compete with that <laughs> you can't compete with what happens. But at the same time, you should not be competing because it is really it's silly. It's silly, yeah, it's silly and, and understandable at the same mm -hmm, time. Exactly, and that is it is a a voyage to your own to your own problems with yourself. It's a voyage about what would be the the kind of situation that would make you feel like he felt. Mm -hmm. uh, when you see desolation and the recluseness of Gabriel in the end, you... I don't know. <laughs> there must be one person in the world that never felt like that, but you see yourself there. You see yourself in a moment that you felt like that. And it's a key. It's a key to opening a door that we most often we shut and we lock it. Because mm -hmm. when you get such a personal description of something, you end up seeing this kind of psychological episode and you reflect this on the moment of your life that you felt like that. So that's why I think also it's it's a story about Daniel, but it's even more a story about whichever person is reading 
mm-hmm. whatever person is with yeah, you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Before I get into it, I just want to make a brief parenthesis because I'm not sure anyone knows what the Phoenicians are. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like <laughs> basically sorry, the sorry. sort of artistic movement that was pretty much only a thing in France and Brazil. Yeah, because Brazil has a long tradition of copying France. Yeah, <laughs> and receiving these connections with France. So yeah. that's a fun little thing for you. And basically, it was this idea of this pure art, art yeah. for art, and apart from the world. Yeah. So there's like there's this famous poem called like what is Chinese vase? It's like this. Yeah, yeah. It's all this description of this Chinese vase and all <laughs> the, its intricacies and stuff. Yeah. But it, it's it's little else, and of course it's interesting stuff, but it's it's usually a bit annoying, and it's this sort of. Pure <laughs> art, pure the ivory tower. Yeah, it's the pure ex- yeah. expression of the ivory yeah. tower. They also had a similar name, which I'm not sure. I have no idea how to translate it into English, but it was basically like they were the angelic ones because they were in the clouds. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. And yes, yeah, because the the their own name Par Parnasians, it, it comes from Mount Parnassus, which is mm-hmm. a high mountain in Greece, I believe, and it's the sense of in this in this big mountain there there was only like elements from the nature mm-hmm. and uh, a kind of bucolicness yeah a kind of bucolicness yeah we we are we're improvising here because those are terms that it, it's really specific but it, it's that notion of highness and nature and love only for love and not about com- the consumption. The Parnasians they flirted a lot of, uh, with the ideal of something that can't be reached. Mm-hmm. So that's that's about what I'm trying to to grasp at. And yet it's very different from the Romantics, although Gabriel is very much a Romantic. Yeah. Because the Romantics had a certain worldview. The the Parnasians almost abstained from a worldview because of this purity, this sense of beauty so yeah Gabriel in his reflections about like the love he had when he first met Greta their first moments together it's a very intimate scene and it's something that touched me deeply because like it, it, this sort of recollection yeah. this nostalgia for what was and it's very much like the glorious the romantic past moments of love and it's like the con- the contrast which is a classic contrast but the genius thing is that Joyce Sort of makes that a well. Well, it wasn't really that romantic. Were you really <laughs> romantic, Gabriel? Uh, at the end, but it's like <laughs> it's the contrast between the tenderness of falling in love and the dullness of the married life. Yeah, but and that's what I got in my notes. It doesn't end here. It, it goes further than that, other than just the cliche of like. Oh, do you remember the the original moments? Oh, and now we're married. It's boring. It's not the same thing. We need to rekindle the love, or no, it's over. Yeah, that that sort of discussion it's just been around for a while. But unlike just the cliche of it, this this element, which is an, an interesting element and something to think about, it changes a bit more as we get on to the Greta's remembrance, if you will. Yeah, I think we should list the the moments that you noted, so we can just make a psychological path <laughs> so we can reach this this point which we are talking about mm-hmm. well then i guess we well we can get back to that later well no i, th- I think it's best to talk about now the remember what i was talking about miss ibis and yeah because early on in the story gabriel is <laughs> he's going to dance with an old friend of his miss ibis yeah and he, she's sort of teasing him and whatnot and she calls him a west britain <laughs> And yeah. so I went and googled it, and apparently it's a derogatory term for an Irish person who is perceived as being anglophilic in matters of culture or politics. Yeah. <laughs> I.e. someone who rejects Ireland as this sort of native land or this sort of even culture, even political, and I think that's where it matters to Joyce, this matter of culture. Yeah. And he doesn't call himself Irish, says, well, I'm not actually Irish. And she gives him this stink eye, <laughs> uh, with good reason. And it, it really tells of the reflection or of the understanding about how to relate with one's own land. And in a sense, how Gabriel does that. Because it's almost a sort of rejection. He says that he speaks other languages, but he doesn't really even speak Irish. Yeah. And he, she's teasing him, like wanting to know how much he's aware of his land and his language. 
for example, she asks him to go to a trip with a couple of friends of theirs to a certain region in Ireland. Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't think I can because I already have this trip through Europe with a couple of other friends and whatnot. <laughs> and she's like, well, you go there, but you don't even know your own, co- own country. <laughs> and it's very much how to relate with your own land. Yeah. In that case, Ireland. And Ireland is a very particular subject to Joyce. And yeah, yeah. To think about, like, for the third time, yeah, it's uh, called Dubliners. So it's very much a reflection on Dublin, on Ireland, on yeah. the people of Dublin, the Dubliners. Yeah, exactly. Well put. And I was thinking about, as you said, I would just remark that exactly that's why it's a, it's a short story about Gabriel's problems. Mm-hmm. Because... It's exactly that, like the, the those little episodes with, oh, you're a West Briton, oh, you you don't even know your country. It, it's basically a moment where he's in a catharsis and he's being presented with all his errors and all his excesses, and then it, it becomes a, a tragedy in the end. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about the nation of the the the, the land. Because it's not a nationalistic view. It's this sort of cultural aspect. Yeah. Like being aware of where you come from and where you live and where you are. And when you think about Ireland, which was pretty much a dominated land by the British crown for way too fucking long. Yeah. It's really something that sticks out and something to consider. Like how to deal with what we have when what we have has been subjugated for so long and gabriel sort of uh, he dodges the question yeah he doesn't really answer it either way but he sort of stays away from it and like he doesn't solve he doesn't handle the problem yeah and i i think what joyce and it's always problematic say oh he wants us to do this or that but it's something that really makes us think of like okay so how can we do it how can we handle the question? Yeah. How can we relate with our own land? And it's something we talked about in our Patreon episode, which is this, like, we're not at all nationalistic about Brazil. Like, <laughs> not even the size. And we've never been. Like, it's very difficult to be. It's, it's a very peculiar problem of the how this Brazilian nationalism or this idea of a nation was built or failed to be built. And... And yet we relate to it on a cultural level. Yeah. On, on this sort of social understanding. And I think it's quite similar, or at least I felt this sort of similarity between this this idea of Ireland and relating to it via the culture, via the people, instead of necessarily the state or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the same. <laughs> I even thought it was a bit funny because I before I wrote a, a little biography about Joyce I was I was talking with a friend about how we we love and hate Brazil and we were talking about how we love and hate Brazil in the episode of Patreon yeah and in Brazil it's it's right now it's really divided in I hate Brazil or I love Brazil and even as we know bolsonaro he's a bit of a Trump is himself, and he is of that kind of that, that kind of notion of make America great again, like bring back something that they think that was better, and things like that. And for us, like I, I don't try to make this remark uh, as a Gabriel, but we as as people who work in this area, we read about these things, like Frank as a historian, and me as someone who studies languages and literature the notions need to be more complexified mm-hmm. and when you have such dichotomy as we love brazil nationalism and i hate brazil brazil is completely shit and there's nothing that we can rejoice in here rejoice <laughs> <laughs> it's really problematic to me and then I-, I was thinking about that and i and i wrote and i read the the short story then i read about joyce a lot and it's it's the same notion he when you when you work with this when you are rejected 22 times <laughs> of your text and you're still insisting you need to be as mad as we 
<laughs> like we 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 will not be geniuses as Joyce was, but we we are all in the same boat of of craziness, and I think that's that's the the cool part because Dublin being uh, Ireland being a country as it is and as it was, it really densifies the the relations of the people who live in it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's really. Like I was, I was talking about if if the world was was solved, we we wouldn't need literature because literature, good literature, is always about the problems and not mm-hmm. about the not the solutions but the solved things. Mm-hmm. You need conflict. You need problems, psychological aspects, social social problems. That's what fuels our need for art and such things as mm-hmm. as that. So. It's it's really it's really heartwarming to see that Joyce all also hated and loved Dublin because it's almost like we we can see ourselves in 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 this kind of intellectual mm-hmm. and especially like Dubliners was published in 1914 yeah before really that yeah. but still it was not Ireland was not an independent country it was still British Empire exactly. So exactly. definitely, uh, it's this sort of internal solidarity against the British, and that's why Gabriel being a West Briton, and well, from all that we see of him, he pretty much is. Yeah, that's why it's such a relevant thing because it's this sort of union against Britain, against the dominating power. Yeah, and that is really interesting. Yeah, I think that was the point that I wanted to make about. Well, the, the relationship with your own land, and especially with Ireland in this regard. Yeah. At least in this short story. Now, now we're going to get to the meat of it. And I was looking at, as I was looking at the timer, we've been talking for 40 minutes. Already? Already, and we haven't <laughs> even gotten to the to the fun part, which is the second part. Okay, okay. I'll lead us to it. Yeah. Like we, we don't have no rights, it's probably be longer, it'll be fun. Yeah. And, anyway, Gabriel has this deep reflection on... His moments where they met, the letters they exchanged, their first moments, their first encounters. And it's it's real powerful contrast. And it's something that, like, he's imagining them arriving at the hotel and being together. And it, it, it is very powerful. I was very emotional when I read it. Yeah. And I, it's very much this notion that it's, it's this bringing together and this being, this staying together, this... It's a lot. It's a city of love. Yeah. I love thinking about love. Uh, however, and that's where things start to get more interesting. As they arrive at the hotel... Yeah, when things go bad. <laughs> yeah. Usually, when, that's when things go interesting. Go figure. Yeah. And Greta isn't... Well, she's acting tired. Yeah. But Gabriel notices that something's not right. And he, he asks her what, what is going on. And she says she's tired, but she's, she she really can't handle it. And she talks about a young man that she she met uh, when she was young, of the name of Michael Fiore. I have no idea how to pronounce his last name, but that's fine. Yeah. And they, from what Gabriel is seeing, they seem to be very close. And he was like quite jealous <laughs> because he's saying that. He was exactly from the region that Miss Ivers previously wanted to bring him to for a vacation. Yeah. And she's talking about him and he's making this sort of intrusive questions like, oh, really? Oh, well, we must have really liked him. <laughs> so you, you want to go on the trip to see him and something like that. Yeah. And she mentions that he's dead. <laughs> and yeah, be real buzzkill for him. <laughs> so he's still like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and then he starts feeling bad, as he should be. Yeah. And as we learn more of Michael Fury's story, she tells that they were very close, and that she sang to him. No, he sang to her a song that she heard right at the very end of the dinner party, called "The Last of Auburn." Yeah. Which is the one that we're gonna play at the end. And it, it's something that uh, Michael used to sing to her, and that brought all these memories back, and their love, and what I, I wrote down as his ultimate attitude towards her. And what I mean by that is that when he was still 17, they were both very young, she was going to leave to go to 
the convent was it, I think. Yeah. Or something similar. Yeah. And because she's married now, so she's not a nun, but it was something like that, sort of boarding school, whatever. And he was very ill and he couldn't leave the house. But when he heard that she was leaving, he went to see her. And he basically said that he did, if he couldn't be with her, that he wanted to die. Yeah. <laughs> and he basically faced death for her and wanted to be with her and without her that he would rather die. And so he does. A week after she's <laughs> away, he passes. And, and so he does. And so, like, this is a very interesting scene where Gabriel's, like, feeling worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and we don't sympathize with him, and we probably shouldn't, because he was being a bit of a dick. Yeah. And, <laughs> but something that's very interesting is that his he feels that his actions... Throughout the whole night, and his concerns over the speech and what they were so small <laughs> compared to Michael's. Yeah, it 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 disarms his cold demeanor. Yeah, he basically like, well, yeah, like the, the beauty of Greta that Michael faced, and that he no- remarks that it may, is is she's still incredibly beautiful, but it's not exactly the same when she was young. Yeah, and yet he's there now, and his actions feel so petty. Yeah. Even compared to compared to what Michael did. Yeah. And yeah, and I think that though this this episode of someone feeling thinking about themselves like as something really big, and then being completely destroyed <laughs> by someone who was not try, even trying to destroy them, it is as well as I I said earlier about trying to be a an intellectual like with all the the comas (laughs) like trying to think about the things that are happening today and and all those kinds of things i think one of the most important parts is about having the notion that we know little we know really a small 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 part of what we can know and for example i think it's an exercise of humility in, in in the short story because Gabriel is learning and, and that's the the thing like Joyce is teaching us that when we are faced with something that is that is better than us we shouldn't feel ashamed mm-hmm. we should feel we should try to learn and and grow mm-hmm. and but when Joyce <laughs> utilizes the the love aspect of life it's really hard to not to to not understand the feeling because he was bested mm-hmm. he was bested as a lover and as a person and 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 someone like like michael who probably wasn't even an intellectual yeah he it's like he worked in the gas works yeah exa- exactly i'm him, sorry like, yeah love yeah it, exactly it, it, it really like that's the thing. He's he a simple bested. man. Yeah, he's, he was bested by a simple man. And he so, cannot best him, no matter what he does now. That Because that. he's already dead. He already sacrificed for her. So, yeah, that's... It's, it's really, for me, this short story is a lesson about humility. Because it's... It's it's really this. It's, it's a notion of... Don't run there yourself. Like, don't... Don't make that that statue, that bronze statue of yourself, and mm-hmm. think about yourself as something because that that's the only thing that the bigger they are, the the, the harder they the fall. harder they fall exactly. And it's very much when thinking about all this, the idea that especially me, I, I don't know about Bruno, but I'm speaking for myself as an intellectual. Uh, it, it's always like yeah, you, you can only do so much. And that can be quite little at times. Yeah. And that has its value, sure. But it's understanding the difference between the actions and, like, the thinking about them, the romanticism, the theory and all that. And it really puts into perspective for me, I hadn't thought about this before regarding the short story, that, like, I, I have a certain role to play and it's small and that's okay for me. That's something that I've learned to deal with. Yeah, but that's not the main one. The main one is the people out there, the people organizing, the people 
struggling the people were actually doing the work yeah and in that sense like of course it's unlike uh, uh, michael they shouldn't be they should be sacrificing themselves at 17 but <laughs> it really when you make this sort of mutation of the idea that like as a gabriel being the ones thinking about and acting in a particular way and michael's actually doing the hard work yeah the yeah, the people, the the ones who are actually in it. Yeah, and that's as strange to think of uh, Gabriel not that into it, uh, which leads to the next fact that how complete has he been with Greta? Michael gave her everything, emotionally and ultimately physically, and that is also a reflection that Gabriel has. Is there anything else you want to say about the love before we go to the actual, the dead? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, feel free. I'm, I'm merely organizing it. I'm not sure what else I have to say. No, my no, own volition, no. but feel free to, no. to elaborate. I don't think so. I think it's also a story about 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 relations, about relations in general, but about relationships of amorous relationships because there's always a kind of toxicity in like being the best that ever was to certain to someone that is like people change people people really people change wow what a cliche but you can't compare you can't compare someone someone that was in love I don't know, 10 years ago, to the person that that self has become. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's even good that... (laughs) Good and bad. It's it's good that Joyce doesn't give much attention to the aspect of jealousness. Mm -hmm. Because then he would drive us crazy. Because (laughs) because the the short story, it is really... It's not centered in, in this moment of jealousness, but... As we know, the power, the psychological power of Joyce, like, even more as men, it's really corrosive because there's this whole notion of, of, of machismo and, and this, this notion of competition, Mm -hmm. like, as if women were, like, the, the best alpha male gets the, the best women and, and it's really it's corrosive it's it's mind numbing because mm-hmm. you become someone you become an idiot and, and we are not even trying to to take the guilt off ourselves mm-hmm. so yeah it's really i i think if Joyce tried to to write something about jealousness it would be catastrophic to any man to read (laughs) and i guess that's why in that sense this this brief growth that gabriel has in which he he understands that's like well okay i'm i'm not i may not be the best but i'm here yeah and that's like and that leads us to hit to the overall reflection of the dead and the dead's effect on the living yeah um this uh, I I was preparing for this particular moment, which is what the namesake of the short story. Yeah, I listened to two episodes. I recommended on Twitter. I'll do so now. Latest, now not latest, but the second latest uh, Coffee with Comrades episodes with Black Banner Magic, uh, Nestor from there, and Brett from Revler, uh, where they have this overarching conversation of. Of what things going on, climate change, and especially this very long moment uh, talking about death and suffering, in a way. And on a recent Rev Left episode uh, called uh, Rebellious Morning, it's, it's this beautiful, beautiful conversation about this particular work regarding death and mourning and how to mourn in solidarity and in collectivity. It's about yeah. handling death not from a singular individual aspect, but like this collective and ultimately rebellious morning. It's beautiful. And so also as a, an addendum to that, we will also be recording with Coffee with Commerce in late May 
talking about Ursula Kalegay's The Dispossessed. Yeah. And that is a very... That, there's definitely going to be something talking about <laughs> human suffering because that's a very present element in the book. Yeah. So, uh, especially going on talking about dead, it, it's interesting because when Gabriel's talking about it, it's not... It's not just the dead. It's not, they're not gone. They're not, they don't disappear. Yeah. It's very interesting. They become shades. Yeah. Uh, and this notion of the shade, which is also a mythological aspect, sure, but it's also like they're not their whole, but there are aspects of them that remain in the shadows, in the corners. Yeah. In yeah, the as, back as, side of as, our mind. As I said about my childhood as well, like mm-hmm. the, is, they are shadows, shades of, of the past. And of, like, that that's exactly it, because those were times when I was a child that most of my family, everybody, everybody that I knew w- was alive, and, and now we just have those shades of those people, those mm-hmm. rare memories, those glimpses of the past. Yeah, and the way they, they're, they're sometimes not there, but these little sparks, these triggers... And the song, in the case of Greta, yeah. that leads her to remember Michael and everything that came along with him. So this this thing that was hidden became a very powerful image. This shade became present, in a sense. Exactly. And the way that memory works as a way of considering the dead, really. Those that are gone, those that we remember, those that we should remember. And especially as, an, as a historian... The idea of memory to me is crucial. Of course, memory is different from history, but history plays a role in that memory, and the, that memory plays a role on history. Like history should serve us in the sense that we think about the world moving forward, about tragedies, about disasters, but also about hope. Yeah, uh, that's something that I picked up from various Revlet episodes on history. The one about uh, the Zapatistas, the one about Allende and Chile. And there are stories of hope and there are stories of pain and there are stories of tragedy. But it's all all something that makes our present. At times these are (laughs) small shades. At times they are humongous, unthinkable shades that uh, cast shadows and or to put it on an exit on a inverted in a way, they cast this immense light on yeah. their shades. Yeah, exactly. On our future and on our past as well, regardless at times of certain of the horror. So when we think about and if if you don't mind me, I'm sorry. Go ahead no, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, the, I want to quote this bit where Gabriel is reflecting about himself. In front of and in relation to this, this past and the living and the dead. I quote, His own identity was fading out into a grey impalpable world. The solid world itself, which these dead had one time reared and lived in, was dissolving and dwindling. It's almost this idea that the world the dead lived in is so gone with them. Yeah. But yeah. the memories of the world live in these shades, and these shades cast it out onto the present and the people there. This dissolving, uh, of course, it's it's a difficult interpretation, but it's one of, it's almost one of belonging and one of being a part of this overarching world of all these people, and this world of the living and the dead. And there's this another quote that I'll leave closer to the end and it's the last one but it's very much how to think and how to relate to the living and the dead how to think about them how to act upon them on the present and I guess myself and others as leftists we think about how to act at times the wills of the past and the present now yeah in the shape and in the idea of the future that's what I find ridiculous about reactionaries is this idea, and conservatives in general, of looking to a golden past. A golden yeah. past that is never real. Yeah. And 
we, as leftists and as progressives and more general and vague idea, we look towards the future. We understand that history and what happened and that there were great times, there were bad times. And even then, the great times weren't so great and the bad times weren't so bad. Yeah. Of course, there's only so much you go with nuance. Um, I don't want to advocate a pure relativism. So yeah. Just something to know. <laughs> yeah. But we understand that our answers are in looking towards the past, but ultimately taking what we can and rejecting what we can't and thinking about the future and what we can build today, here, now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can, yeah, man, you're making it difficult to me to <laughs> to continue after that. <laughs> yeah, beautifully put, and yeah, I think that's the the whole relation with death is a team that teaches us so much because generally, even though logical and and bureaucratical way which we, we deal with death it's a mark of what has become of what is a, a cemetery what is a there are traditions that our traditions are made to to get away from the dead and to, to try to forget them but try to forget them it's it's the ideal is try to go on without them and i i understand that but we in our traditions in our western traditions we tend to 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 forget them to we do not mourn we mourn in in a, a kind of selfish way most of the times and that's why there are beautiful cultures like in Mexico, where there is the the day of the dead, and there, th those this notion that if you knew someone, if there was someone in history that was important, those people aren't really gone, uh, as as Luke Skywalker said in the latest trailer, nobody's ever really gone. <laughs> so so, I think that yeah, that's. You you can only get, you always get more good things when you re, when you try to remember the ones that are that are not gone in the, in that mm -hmm. case. They no one no one passes through through existence and and through the planet Earth and doesn't leave nothing. Like everyone, everybody has the same capacity of leaving a, a footprint behind. And uh, a psychological and a emotional footprint, and that's the beauty of it as well. Because again, it's it's an exercise of humility. Because it's it's again a notion of humbleness of of looking at yourself as the people who who already died and the people who are going to come and populate the world. Like it's it, it's really introspective just like gabriel ends up being like as you said he has a, a a particular really particular specific growth mm -hmm. and it's the same thing that happens to a person who is reading him there's a th this glimpse of personal growth when you when you read something that makes you think about your family and about your past and about the dead and 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 I think that's the the moment for you to to, to read the ending. To read the ending, yeah. Okay. Before before I get into it, just uh, I want to say regards to what we're talking about. It's <laughs> also difficult. It's very well said, and in a sense, I guess this idea of well, it's like the more the idea of mourning. Like we don't even have the time to mourn. Yeah. We're not given that time. We. We can't even have it. And it's interesting to think about, like, maybe now, at this particular moment, is when Greta is able to truly, finally mourn him in a more complex manner. Yeah. It's not just being sad, it's about 
truly embracing it for a moment and then like letting it go. It's it's, it's a cathartic moment. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's essential to like to celebrate. Uh, we've we've talked about uh, we're young. We've talked about death before here and there, and it's something I think about every so often. Yeah, and like that idea of leaving a legacy. And to me, I think the legacy I want to give, at the very least, is that when people think of me, that they'll smile. Yeah. The idea of giving, uh, leaving good memories behind. Yeah. To me, that 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 is essential. Yeah, yeah. Genuine. So, the last time, as Gabriel reflects on all of that, and he's considering living the dead, what was and what is, and how he's feeling in Greta. I quote, His soul swooned slowly as he heard the snow falling, faintly through the universe and faintly falling, like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead. It's very much... It, it's that. It's via the, the snow. As it... As it populates in a way and as it... Yeah. It's imprints affect all of them. Yeah. The world affects all of them. The living and the dead. It's... And it is just like the the French term partout, which means at everywhere. It's... It covers. the And it's exactly that notion. It's... Mm -hmm. It's the notion that the influences of the dead and of the living, they are in the present. And they will always be in the present. And they are everywhere they are they are dying in the sense of die uh, as you paint something like when you die uh, i don't know a cloth the the dead and the living they die this cloth of reality with their influences and just this know that the and it's 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 not even imaginable for us because we live in Brazil. There's no <laughs> snow here, but I I can just imagine the the notion of the psychological way of uh, the psychological side of the cold and the the snow and the the whole I don't know the the slowness about the the snow and the the it, it's really poetical and. It really, it really shows that yeah, it's exactly like that. He, Joyce couldn't find a better way to explain. He he did it perfectly. It's it's the the perfect notion of something that it's everywhere, and it's upon us, but it's not aggressive. Mm -hmm. It's just an influence, a uh, eternal influence. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the, the very last bit, like the descent of their last end. The snow too, as all of them, the living and the dead, they will all descend and they all pass. Yeah. In a sense, and that it's, it's a beautiful show story and it's a beautiful ending. To put it like, yeah, I think. I think that's that's <laughs> a good one. Is there yeah. anything else you want to add? Like no, that? no. Hey, well, so with that, I think closing up on another uh, left page episode. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for yeah. listening. Uh, you can find us on at Left Page Pod on Twitter and patreon.com forward slash the left page. And we've got a few, as we've been mentioning for a while, a couple of collabs planned, although they, they're probably going to take a little while longer. In the meantime, we'll keep on reading, keep on thinking about short stories and novels and ideas. Yeah. And keep on having interesting conversations with all of you. So. Thank you very, very much for listening yeah, to this thanks a lot. more intimate conversation, if you will. Yeah, and today was, was a different one. And we will see you next time. Yeah, till the next one. Together.
the rain falls on my yellow locks bedew it wets my skin my babe lies cold within my arms oh Gregory let me Yeah.